Hello and welcome to Taboo Malta. It's a show where we discuss taboo topics in the sunny island of Malta. So, hello, Elena. Hi, hello, Sophie. <laughs> this is a very special person to me. She used to be my therapist. <laughs> Can you please introduce yourself to our audience? Yes, for sure, Sophie. So, I'm Elena, as you kindly introduced me. Um, I'm a psychotherapist at the Health and Wellness Center, and I always also um, support students therapeutically and also in group work and uh, training, depending the needs um, for students and our staff members. Okay, thank you. Um, all right, so you've been, how long have you been? Working? As a psychotherapist? Mm-hmm. I'm old, you're going to unveil my age now. <laughs> <laughs> so about 15 years now as a wow, psychotherapist. Okay, okay. I started in social work and then eventually shifted to psychotherapy. So it's all about helping people. Yes, yes. exactly. Okay. And what kind of mental support professionals are out there? So if you could please explain the difference. For sure, for yeah. sure. So um, in Malta, but also in the Health and Wellness Center at university, um, it's a multidisciplinary team. So there are various professionals where one who is suffering from mental health issues can access to. So it varies from the medical aspect where we have psychiatrists and doctors. There are also psychologists, psychotherapists, counselors who tackle more the psychological and therapeutic part, the more emotional part um, and the trauma-oriented part. And also there are social workers who um, focus more on the practical aspect. So it depends, actually it's a very individualistic approach here at the center where we see the student or the staff, depending the person um, requesting our support, uh, individual how holistically we can support that person. What I can say as well that across, because I worked in the different services even before and we try it's quite an approach that uh, we try to use because the person is holistic so we need to see the mind body and soul together as one Mm -hmm. okay so how would someone choose whether they need a therapist psychotherapist psychiatrist like how would someone know yes well i think it's uh, the first point of contact is the most important thing is to reach out okay because it's very difficult to identify when you're going through a trauma where you're going through a difficulty, it's very, um, even I sometimes get confused <laughs> because there are so many professionals and so many modalities that sometimes it's like, okay, which is the best? Exactly. So yeah. the, in, in the Health and Wellness Center, to support that for the students and staff, we have an intake system where we uh, meet the person the first time and take an assessment. So there, then the person will be guided accordingly. And if needs a referral to a psychiatrist, a referral will be done. If needs an assessment, psychological assessment, a referral will be done accordingly. And therapy or social work, a referral will be done accordingly. So what I suggest, Sophie, in this situation is rather than choosing first, ask ask for help. That is the most important thing for the person, mm-hmm. whoever, whatever professional there is, ask for help. And then a responsible professional will guide the person accordingly. Okay, so how can someone start by asking for help? Because it's quite a mountain, I think. (laughs) Quite something to overcome and to start talking about trauma. Yes, it is. Um, I've been personally myself. um, So uh, even part of our training, we need to work on ourselves as therapists Mm -hmm. and even my colleagues. We need to work on ourselves because we need to understand what it's like reaching out. And trauma affects everyone. Mm -hmm. And obviously trauma then the likelihood is affects our mental health. Mm-hmm. So the most important thing, I, um, the person reaching out is to take the risk. There are people out there who will understand. There are people out there who won't judge and they will hold because trauma is the fragmentation of the self. When a person goes through a trauma, so if it's abuse, if it's separation, um, uh, 
bereavement, any form of trauma, that is the fragmentation. The trauma, um, it's like our self, it's so, it becomes pieces. Mm -hmm. So we need the holding, the holding to restore back what the trauma took from us, reshape it with the new information we have for the person to become whole again. And it is not an easy, an easy process. No, not at all, but it's worth it. It's <laughs> worth it. Yes. It's worth it because uh -huh. through support, um, through the therapy, counseling, social, depending the need or medication, depending the need what the person has, uh, the trauma will find meaning and the person can become whole again and move forward. Mm -hmm. So it's not the trauma stops the person from living. There is support out there not to let the trauma impinge on the development. Yes, in fact, um, with Dr. Gabor Mate, I was um, looking at some podcasts with Mayan Balik, um, they mentioned how trauma is stored physically in the body and if it's not dealt with, it can lead to cancer, yes. um, disease, serious medical conditions that for some reason we tend to separate sometimes. Mm -hmm. So, for example, personally, I have anxiety and depression and with anxiety, I tend to get a lot of migraines. Yes. And for a long time, I thought that was separate. But we... It's funny, we don't think of mind and body in the same light, right? Yes. Um, in fact, research is showing lately. In the, um, there were periods of time where we thought the mind and body are fighting or the mm -hmm. mind and the emotions are fighting. When you hustle, <laughs> it's just one different uh -huh. aspect. And we, when we see, that is why I opened before I started with the holistic approach. Uh -huh. Because um, you mentioned a very important uh, point here, Sophie, the distorting in the body. Mm -hmm. um, trauma goes in the body immediately unless it's processed immediately which is very difficult to do um, so it goes in the body yes. that is why there is also preferable trauma um, I encounter clients who for instance suffered a trauma at birth and they can't obviously verbalize it or they mm -hmm. were one or two the articulation wasn't yet there mm -hmm. and then through therapy and through support they start maybe um, understanding what was happening and integrated. And what also you mentioned, which is very important, it is somatization. Our body, m our mind lies. We can deflect, we can ignore, we can deny. Our mind is a champion in that. <laughs> but our body, no. <laughs> our body will tell us, no, listen, you're not hearing the mind, Mala, let me do something for you. Exactly. And we get migraines. Yes. Um, we get maybe palpitations, so backaches sometimes. Yes. Exactly, exactly. Yes. And the most important thing is to try and see, listen, what are these symptoms telling me? Sometimes it's just I need to rest. We went over this a lot, right? <laughs> that depression is a sign you need yes. to rest. So mm -hmm. with most people, it's like always on the go. Yes. And their life is on the go. And it's like, then we get sad and we get burnt out and we still push ourselves. Yes. And then that's when our body is telling us to stop and we have to listen to our body, right? Exactly. Isn't it uh, in a way what society is implying to keep on working, students yes. doing part-time jobs, us all the time, um, more hours to keep up with the demand, um, to, to have even th this hobby or this, this phone or this tablet or something or I don't know, but society, I experience it as a lot of pressure, especially yes. nowadays. Mm -hmm. And we have the media and people try to keep up sometimes yes. and we forget that just we're humans and we need to rest. We need to slow down sometimes, but it's become sometimes that if we slow down, it's like a sin. Uh -huh, I'm doing something like wrong. Failed, basically. Exactly. Yes, yes. Exactly. I think there are so many societal pressures and this like hustle culture that you need to be on all the time. Yes. For example, I have a problem with relaxing and resting. 
And it's just like, I need to be doing something else or I'm wasting yes. time, you know? And that mm-hmm. is, it's so dangerous in a way as well because then your body will force you to rest mm-hmm. if you don't do it consciously, you know? Spot on. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and at what tipping point, because we all have stress and stressors in our life, at what tipping point would you advise someone to start going to therapy? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, ideally, before we stop functioning. <laughs> Um, And uh, I'm smiling because sometimes I did it myself. I keep on going, keep on going, and all of a sudden, oh, okay. No, it's, I need help now, you know? So it's it's very common. But ideally, we we start seeing the signs. Like, for example, not eating well, not sleeping well, getting sick a lot. What is our body telling us? Mm -hmm. So if we start listening to our body and we start experiencing signs simple like you get a cold and then you get a cold again and then you get a cold again what's happening here Mm -hmm. okay obviously check with the doctor 100 Mm percent but what is this telling or binge eating finding comfort in food or finding comfort in alcohol and addictions so Mm -hmm. when we start seeing that our behavior is going a bit okay what's going on here and then it affects our sleep maybe we miss a class or go to work late. We, we start seeing these. It's very important to ask and reach out. Mm-hmm. Usually they are the symptoms of something that has happened earlier. So in the ideal world, when something happens, you reach out. Okay. But it, I understand. I did it myself. It's hard. So you need to believe that there are people out there that they will hold. And if you can reach out as soon as possible, something traumatic happens, that is the best way forward that and I think it takes time to process as well a traumatic event so for me even with a fight or something with a friend it takes a day or two for me to realize okay or I'm annoyed at someone and they tell me immediately what's wrong and I wouldn't know (laughs) so I think but not waiting too long like you're saying Mm because then trauma gets trapped in the body and we start going into those negative patterns and we feel like we're stuck and we can't get out basically and what you mentioned as well which is very important Sophie um, which maybe we need to improve further in our society is the identification and describing of feelings as Maltese we tend maybe to be a bit emotional okay (laughs) Um, and we might shout a bit more or our voices are a bit, you know, passionate and the Maltese type. But in reality, we need to um, become more in touch. What am I feeling here? Mm-hmm. What has been triggered in me? Is this happiness? Is this sadness? Is this frustration? Um, and there are so many more, more feelings, fear, anxiety, resentment. There, there are so many feelings that sometimes we're not aware of. So, for instance, when something happens, even not a major trauma, like a a car accident or something, we're not talking about major traumas, the the day-to-day activities, the day-to-day life, we need to stop and say, what happened here? How am I feeling? What is this telling about me? Why I was a bit sensitive here? Mm -hmm. Did it trigger something? Or maybe okay, this person is challenging for me because it happens, no worries, but how can I protect myself with the boundaries and put the needed um, assertiveness for me to protect myself? But to do all those things, I need to understand first what I'm feeling. So it's very important not to take, because sometimes, just as much as we say the body and the mind are our spit, sometimes we take the emotions, it's like, oh, yeah, emotions. 
or she's too emotional or she's mm-hmm. too sensitive but those are all uh, that's all information mm-hmm. and the more we are able to decipher what we feel and describe it the better we're able to articulate and support ourselves in, in our healing so do you think that this should come from childhood so for example i know in malta there's a lot like boys don't cry mm-hmm. for example mm-hmm. but a lot is coming out with for example if a child has a tantrum and you just tell them off or you just give them the ipad which a lot of parents i've seen a lot of parents mm-hmm. do instead of sitting down with them and saying what are you feeling let's try and address that you know so i think a lot of us have either adapted not to feel a certain way because of certain stigmas or just to make our parents happy mm-hmm. and then we just try to fit in then in the social dynamics at school yes. mm-hmm. so i think there needs to be yes education on emotions feeling psychology spot on the more we can um i think you mentioned yes emot but i think it's uh, very widespread still um uh, the boys don't cry the women should do this i mean we have improved mm-hmm. but there's still a long way and uh, also you mentioned how parents give maybe the tablet or and i feel bad for parents because it's not easy mm-hmm. to raise children in in today's demands so so i feel that parents are literally being stretched out the education is being stretched out and unfortunately the child is who suffers the most mm-hmm. but then yes the emotional regulation is not set in place the child doesn't learn to identify the, the emotions as you said they might deny emotions they might desensitize from them even or deflect mm-hmm. um so there are so many ways one can cope with emotions some are healthy some are, are not that healthy especially when taken to extreme mm-hmm. um however with a healthy emotional regulation then it's very understandable for the child to suffer from anxiety or depression or panic attacks i mean it's all it's through mind itself not being able to identify what you're feeling mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and also you mentioned something very important it's um when we see society as well for children today contact is essential and contact not with a tablet or a mobile but contact with adults contact with other children to literally have the relationship with another human being because that is how you learn as well to emotionally regulate but yes education is essential to introduce mm-hmm. more um teachings on emotions more for us to be more aware mm-hmm. for sure okay and if a child is growing up in a household with narcissistic parents or parents mm-hmm. that abandoned them or any other array of mental health issues mm-hmm. how can they create healthy boundaries and healthy coping mechanisms so for example i had an issue with this that since i was in a flight or flight <laughs> situation i was always on the go and i never stopped to reflect basically mm-hmm. and that's what i'm working on but i think it's very difficult if you weren't brought up in that environment to know that listen mm-hmm. i can do your hustle i can do these really small things you know yes. that will help in the long run but we're not given those tools or skills mm-hmm. most of us anyway yes um i think there are a variety as you say of mental health issues personalities um, and even one abusive parent from another um differ so it's very individualistic having said that there are also commonalities so the most important thing is that as a child when you have an abusive parent automatically the child because of the process of development the self is yet not formed the child introjects i am to blame 
mm-hmm. I am in the wrong because they don't have the capacity to see an I and a you. For a child, everything is about them. Everything is about I, I did something wrong. I am, I am not worthy of love. I am not worthy of being supported. They can't say it's too hard for the child to say mommy has an issue. It's, it's un- unbelievable for them. They can't. It doesn't cross their mind. So as adults, growing up, because for children, okay, you tell them, obviously, it's not their fault, but growing up and even um, for students or staff listening to this or people listening to this and going through this situation, don't blame yourself. That is the crucial message I can give. It's not your fault. Then also understanding that you have a choice to get out of the situation. You can get out of the situation. I'm not saying things will be ideal and I'm not saying in any other way it's easy, but there are options. Mm-hmm. Even when you still live at home, maybe little things like setting a little bit of boundaries or not putting yourself at risk of being abused. Like if you know that if you disclose certain things and be very emotional, you're going to get a beating, for instance, then learn how to cope a bit to protect yourself. Be a bit strategic. Until, obviously, you reach out for support, for the necessary support to be given for you not to mm-hmm. live mm-hmm. in certain situations. But don't, don't put yourself at risk um, in a vulnerable way that uh, you mentioned narcissism. We know with narcissism that the more emotional, the more um, it, it can get a bit more difficult and more painful for the person receiving certain comments. From the, from the person. So try to be a bit strategic. Don't give so much to people that can hurt you. Choose the people that you open up with. Choose the people that can support you. Looking out for yourself, basically. Exactly. Yes, as you would do a friend. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because mm-hmm. in abuse, usually children growing up, they have their parents to look out for themselves. In abusive situations, that is missing. So the child had to survive. And 100%, they survive the best as they can. That is why, as humans, we survive. At the end of the day, we strive for life. We try to find ways. Some maybe, are they the most healthy? Maybe not. But we survive, and this is the most important thing. But then, we need to consciously say, listen, I don't deserve this. I'm not to blame. People reach a point with awareness that it's not their fault. They have other, other means. And yes, they be the parent for themselves. They look out for themselves. And I think until they learn this lesson, even through being a teenager and adulthood, we will keep on going through the same cycle until we learn the lesson and we start creating healthy boundaries with all the people around us, which again is difficult because once you start doing that, (laughs) all the people around you would have accepted you as as you were. They start saying, what's wrong with this person? Mm -hmm. Because they start, yes. Mm -hmm. Uh Remember as well, Sophie, when we don't have boundaries or you mentioned before pleasing, Mm -hmm. uh, people who please others without awareness usually is a form of symptom of the trauma. They need to be there for others. They need to rescue others. They need to please others. Maybe afraid of abandonment, afraid of... It, it can be many things. But when once le- one learns that you don't have to please others because some people will stay and you don't have to please others because you're not there for others, you're there. You need to be there for yourself. Yes, some people won't like it <laughs> because unfortunately 
um, people who please and are all the time for others attract people as well who take advantage of them. So then there will be the real relationships where they say, oh, okay, there is a change. They are making boundaries. I accept that. The relationship might go to a little bit of turmoil, but it moves forward. And then there could be relationships where I'm not getting anything from this relationship anymore. So, mm -hmm. but the question will be what kind of real relationships we want in our life. And I think that is a very important question people need to ask. For sure. And who, the people we surround ourselves with ultimately determine whether we're happy or not. Yes, we can make ourselves happy, but our friends, our family, our immediate support systems affect us a lot. Sure. I think here you're mentioning the balance between internal and external support. Mm -hmm. um, so yes, internal support is crucial. And we need to be strong enough and depend on ourselves because depending all the time on others is very unhealthy. Mm -hmm. So we need to find ways where, yes, we depend, we depend on ourselves, we take care of ourselves. Um, we, when I say internal support, I'm also referring to emotional regulation, listening to our body, understanding our thoughts, um, be comfortable with change. So that is all internal, our internal support to deal with the environment. But just as much as a person needs to be strong in their internal support, they also need external. We, we need, I need external support. <laughs> I can't do it on my own all the time. Mm -hmm. Sometimes even simply somebody brings me a coffee. Mm -hmm. And I'm in seventh heaven. Mm -hmm. So I mentioned just a little, a small example, mm -hmm. but we do need external support. The most important thing is that we don't enter in toxic relationships or we don't stay in toxic relationships. When we think that uh, um, we cannot do it on our own or that is the only relationship we deserve. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's very important there to seek help. So the person can process the feelings and can also find the internal support. Sometimes the internal support gets blocked mm -hmm. because of traumas, because of situations. Um, and there isn't any rush to make any changes in relationships or in, in, in the way of being. Just seek support so you can become aware, increase your internal support, and then the external support will fall into place on its own. Yes, you mentioned uh, internal. In fact, there is a lot of things that help going back to coping mechanisms like exercise mm -hmm. which naturally produces serotonin exactly. mm -hmm. which we're not taught from a young age hey listen if you move your body exactly you know this is going to help or if you eat healthy this is going to help you know what i mean so i think that's where if people do ignore themselves that's where they resort to vices like smoking drugs alcohol mm -hmm. to kind of because they don't want to face what they're feeling and I think that's the most dangerous part when you don't face everybody feels regrets or guilt or shame about things but once we face them work on them and move on that's where I guess change is very powerful mm -hmm. and yeah we can actually become healthier people in the long run yes yes so, yeah. mm -hmm. um you mentioned very important things here Sophie um I think even in our culture the more we can promote exercise and eating healthy um it automatically affects us. It automatically affects I know, I mean, I started exercise recently again because I stopped because I couldn't manage and it makes a whole difference. I feel mentally more stable, mentally more composed. So even the little things, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying you have to go to do a marathon, yes, but just incorporate these things in a healthy lifestyle. It's like working on the body, mm -hmm. which will affect the psychological aspect. 
So that is uh, very crucial. And uh, also what you mentioned is, uh, um, how can I say it? The way of being held, facing life. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we're scared of life and we move, move away from it. When in reality, life just wants us. And it wants us to move forward. It wants us to meet her. The more we look at life, the more we move forward and face our fears and our challenges. Again, I'm not saying it's easy. <laughs> I've been there myself, so I'm not saying it's easy in any, in any shape or form. But it's worth it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And with everything we've said, why do you think in the present there is an increase in ADHD, anxiety, depression compared to the past? Because I've heard my grandparents say, like, we didn't even have one case in our classroom in the past. How come now we're full of these cases? Mm -hmm. Well, I think there are different aspects to that. First, even um, the diagnosis system, maybe there is more awareness on that level but also even how we, we started as well how society is going mm -hmm. being more individualistic less time less contact um, if we see it from a phenomenological perspective all that you mentioned are symptoms that need to be heard so what is the impulsivity telling us what is the sadness telling us what is the anxiety telling telling us if we look at these children or adolescents, whatever, uh, and if we hear the symptoms of what is their trajectory, when did these symptoms start, and what are trying to tell us, I think that this is the most healing aspect we can do. Because I, rather than more concerned about the numbers, I'm more concerned about the individual. Because each individual, no matter it's ADHD, depression, no matter, has a story. Mm -hmm. So the most important thing is to see and look at that story. But yes, um, the diagnosis system has changed. I think there might be also difficulty in uh, catering for all cases effectively. So I'm, I'm a fan of giving more services <laughs> and helping as much as we can. Um, because yes, children need more support than ever. And you think it's related to social media technology? It can be. It can mm -hmm. be, definitely. Um, I don't in any way want to be, come across as social media and technology is wrong. Far mm -hmm. from it. Mm -hmm. However, um, as we mentioned, sometimes even we give the tablet to the child rather than staying with the child. And that obviously affects. Even nowadays, I have students and I have clients who are obsessed with Facebook if, or, or, or something that, oh my God, we have a picture and likes and, and everything and I'm not as, uh, as pretty at that or I'm not as slim as that or I don't have this and that. When in reality, it's all image. Mm -hmm. But the other person have a lot, has a lot of insecurities. So media, unfortunately, if not used properly, if used properly, it can be very healthy. But if used in an unhealthy way, it can trigger a lot of anxiety, paranoia, um, self-esteem issues, people can suffer a lot because of technology, mm -hmm. if not used properly. In fact, there was a recent Francis Haugen leak with Instagram that there was an increase in suicide rates with uh, youth, especially young girls, and body image with Instagram. So I think one of the things people can do is limit their time, their screen yes. time. Mm -hmm. And one thing I've personally done is following healthy influencers who look like you yes. and to have your same value. So always attaining to be this perfect Kim Kardashian model, you're never going to get there, you know what I mean? <laughs> you are you at the end of the day. And, and why do you have to? Exactly. 
And my question yeah. would be, why can't you accept yourself the way you are? Mm-hmm. So even the way we what we project on the media, it says a lot about us. But I agree with you 100%. Limit screen time and follow. I, I love sometimes follow um, f- uh, fellow colleagues from and, and listen to their comments or reading something. Even for me, it's nourishing, mm-hmm. which I'm in the field. Mm-hmm. It's, it's uh, taking care of ourselves is essential. And you mentioned also because it's... It, for me, it saddens me when uh, um, you mention suicide and all this self-harm. It's like we are hurting ourselves. We are hurting the body. Um, and it's all about projecting what we don't have onto others, which we might think they have. Because in reality, I know many people who post on um, media the perfect life, but they are really suffering inside. So we also awareness, what is th- this media about? And what is really telling about the person posting, but also what is telling about me? Mm. Why can't accept what is? Why can't live in the here and now and be with myself and be happy with myself? Well, what's, what's happening there? I think there are so many unrealistic expectations mm-hmm. put on us, consciously or unconsciously, that we need to fit a certain body type that results in body dysmorphia mm-hmm. with a lot of people and eating mm-hmm. disorders. Yes. That we have to, like you're saying, make it look like everything's perfect, that we have the perfect life, which I think is very dangerous because it's okay to have bad days. Of course. And who doesn't? And who doesn't? But nobody records that. And Or if we do, if we start talking about antidepressants or SSRIs or going to therapy in general, it becomes a bit of a taboo and people's like, okay, they kind of stigmatize you and put you in this box that something's wrong with you at the end of the day. Um, the good thing I've seen is that millennials, Gen Z, that kind of generation, I think we're more open mm-hmm. with talking about mental health um, compared to boomers, the boomer generation, where it's a bit hush-hush still. Um, yeah, and even most people, for example, I, I have cases where there's mental health problems in the family, you have mental health problems and you didn't even know that there's a whole... <laughs> Generation. <laughs> Generation of, of mental health problems and trauma that you're just carrying on your back and you think that you're the only one dealing with this. Right? Exactly. Um, but yeah, there are some cases where if you cannot function day to day, because that was a telling sign for me, where, as you were mentioning before, everybody has a routine. So we get up, we go mm-hmm. to work, we meet friends, whatever, we, come, we exercise, we come home. We sleep when those things start getting disrupted, so we don't sleep well. We find it hard to get out of bed. We don't eat properly um, at work. We just feel like we don't want to do anything or we start making mistakes. When these things start happening, that I think is the biggest telling sign that you need help. And sometimes, yes, there are, you need chemicals to help you feel better. So it's not just a case of, yes, therapy helps 100%. Mm-hmm. But I think that's where psychiatry comes in and... Actually, through my experience, they're like, okay, you've got an imbalance of serotonin Mm -hmm. in your brain. Mm -hmm. We need to help you with that. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But I think there is still this taboo. Um, Like in my personal experience, when I mentioned that I'm taking, I'm on meds and I'm taking fluoxetine, for example. A lot of people are like, Oshe, you don't need them. Get off them. And they don't know how how much your life is easier with them. (laughs) And the less panic attacks you're getting, the less anxiety, the less, okay, some people think of it as an easy fix, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. when in reality, I think that everybody comes to a point in their life where they need help, even physiologically, mm-hmm. you know, 
So how do you think we can get over the stigma? Mm-hmm. Well, I think for starters, we need to, to understand how antidepressants and certain medication work. Sometimes I find even people tell me, mm-hmm. You know, but uh-huh. they are very different. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like you're taking a pill to suppress. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the serotonin, but we have chemicals in our brain, rightly so, that sometimes need a little bit of support because when we're going to trauma, it's like, I, I, you know how I say it? And then, you know, when you fall and you hurt your knee? <laughs> It's like a beating all the time, the same way on the brain. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the beating is mild and with therapy and natural resource and maybe um, going for walks and exercise, it's enough. Sometimes the beating or beating after beating, the chemical imbalance gets a little bit more out of hand. So if there's help, why not take it? But we need to understand the antidepressants work on what is uh, uh, the imbalance. And they are not like uh, you're suppressing. The most important thing, though, is not to take on the depression and not work on yourself. Exactly. Like that it's an easy fix. Exactly. That uh-huh. is when, because you're taking on the depression, so okay, you know, that's sick, no more anxiety, no more, maybe for a while. Mm-hmm. But the problem will resurface when you stop, stop the meds because you didn't work on it. Mm-hmm. So it's like they need to go hand in hand. Sometimes I have uh, clients who start with therapy and then they are referred for medication. Sometimes I have clients who are already on medication, they are referred to therapy. But the most important thing is that they are combined when the situation calls for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the most important thing when we come to meds, first of all, this judgment, I think it's fear. People sometimes don't understand. And when we don't understand, we become scared. <laughs> And when we become scared, we judge. That is the process of humanity at most of the times. But speak to professionals, let them explain explain what the meds do, how they work. I have even clients tell me, uh, all my life with meds. I don't want to say all my life with meds. It's not the case. I mean, okay, there are cases maybe different than others. But rather than taking the introject from society that meds are calmed, long gone, speak to a doctor speak to a medical professional that, or helping professional that can support you in understanding further, then obviously it's your choice whether to take it or not. Mm-hmm. But you mentioned something also with Tajit Medipi. It's like, you have no idea how it's making my life, life easier. <laughs> uh-huh. And sometimes we suffer unnecessarily because of what others might think. And that is also part of the trauma because we are shamed, we feel shame. And there is no reason to feel shame. Reach out, ask for support. Support is there. And get better. Because that is what you deserve, to get better. I think most people, well, from what I've heard, is that if you take this medication, um, it's basically making your brain lazy. So that you are... This is what I've heard. So, for example, if I'm taking serotonin every day, the brain will stop producing serotonin. It will become lazy because I'm giving it a dose every day. Okay. And... That's that's what I've heard, for example, because in America there's this like Xanax phenomenon. Okay. <laughs> it's like everybody's on it. You just take it. Everyone's happy <laughs> living okay. in this like delusion, basically. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, well, I think it has to be very much tailor-made. Yes. Um, personally, this is the first time that the brain, I, I'm hearing that the brain <laughs> gets lazy, to be honest. Um, but I think it's more than... T- 
I see it as an adjustment. Mm-hmm. If you're taking, for instance, something that will help you in the serotonin, you're adjusting the dose that you need mm-hmm. for your mind to function properly. Mm-hmm. And because obviously of the trauma, sometimes it produces less, it produces more. Our amygdalas go haywire. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's giving... That is why even psychiatrists see the dose and not not everybody takes the same dose or the same meds mm-hmm. because it's tailor it, it has to be tailor made. Mm-hmm. Then obviously, like like everything, people can take uh, the easy way out and say, okay, I'm staying on meds. I don't want to work on myself, and if that functions for them, I'm I'm no one to to judge in any in any way. Mm-hmm. However, yes, if you don't work on yourself and just take meds then the, the likelihood is that if you stop meds, the anxiety, panic, if you don't work on what this, on the personality or the traumas you've been through, the likelihood, yes, it's... Uh, to come back, basically. The likelihood, yes. Yes. So it's very important to combine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And again, but it's very interesting what you said, because you see, it's like <laughs> these cultural things or societal introjects or whatnot and how mm-hmm. people project yes. on that. Yes. Even, I think what's very important is to look at it holistically. For example, when I had a psychiatrist appointment, I told them, listen, because I've been on the contraceptive pill for about 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I told them, listen, like recently I stopped, then I started a new one. I had this conversation with my gynae that it might affect, the migraines might affect okay. emotions. And they weren't really focusing on that. So I think we need to be aware that, okay, we might be taking other things, other mm-hmm. medication for other that will affect us. Mm-hmm. So if there's a sudden change, it could not be trauma. It could be something else that we're taking. Of course. Of course. You know, so I think it's listening to our body as well in the sense of, okay, if we're, we're given something because of condition or that will help us, we need to listen to our body and say, okay, but is it really helping us mm-hmm. or give it a bit of a trial period? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. there's so many factors yes. that affect our mental health at the end of the yes. day, you know, that's... We, need, we just need to be a bit aware and not see our body as external to ourselves and something that is being treated externally, you know? We need to take all factors into consideration. Yes, for sure. I, underst- um, uh, I understand what you're saying and agree with it 100%. It's very important. And that is also important that when um, you go to a therapist, a psychiatrist, any professional, social worker, it's very important to be completely honest because otherwise, if, if, for instance, you go to a psychiatrist and you tell, don't tell them what mm-hmm. medi- other medication you're taking, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> they won't be able to, to, to know. So it's, well. it's for self-protection at the end of the day. Yes, for sure. But yes, as professionals then, on the other hand, we need to see the person as holistic. Mm-hmm. That is as crucial for treatment. Okay. Um, so we talked about... Trauma, dealing with trauma, antidepressants. So we're nearing December now, <laughs> nearing yes, Christmas. Christmas period. And fortunately, during this time of year, there's an increase in suicide rates, mental health issues. A lot of people feel lonely. Why do you think it's this specific period that kind of aggra- aggravates people so much? And what can we do to kind of help ourselves and create healthy boundaries during Christmas? Okay. Well, I think here we go again on society. Christmas is like we need to buy presents and we need to stay with the loved one and we need to do this and that. It's it's very... We moved beyond um, the spiritual meaning and made it a lot of a societal festive season um, and parties and 
gatherings, everything. It's it's like a meal after meal. Mm-hmm. So people, there are two factors which I see. I see people who have addictions, food disorders, uh, certain difficulties that it's a higher challenge for them. Um, for instance, I have clients who have an alcohol issues and they suffer a lot to go to gatherings. How am I going to manage not to drink? What I'm going to tell my colleagues, I don't want them to know. Mm-hmm. I'm, I have a, an alcohol issue, but at the same time, if I don't go, people will frown at me because I didn't attend the work gathering. That's an instance, for, for example. Then we have the other side of the coin where I have no one to spend Christmas with. I'm alone. I don't have friends. I don't have a partner. I don't have kids. I Whatever. Or another aspect is I have an abusive family. Mm-hmm. So I see media happy curls and things and we're all happy-go-lucky and then I have to go and receive a beating or I have to stay in this household because I'm barely managing. I, I can't. I don't have anything, anything else at the moment. Or there are also families who can't make ends meet. So Christmas, yes, can trigger a lot because society puts a lot of pressure because we have to be happy. We have to enjoy, we have to have fun, we have to go out. But in reality, we just have to be us. Mm -hmm. We are the same, no matter if it's Christmas Day or New Year's Day. I appreciate, it can trigger. Um, But we need to be aware of society's pressure and how we are taking society pressure and put it on ourselves. So that is very, very important to keep in mind. But yes, a lonely person, a person suffering from loneliness... It's understandable of you switch on the television and you see everybody carols and films and, and stuff gathering and I'm alone at home. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's different than November and December? You were still alone, but the society is triggering more that aspect. So my message is for actually for society. Let's be a bit kinder. Reach out a bit to a person if you know that a person is a, is a bit more lonely. A text sometimes makes a whole difference. Let's not ask if a person is not drinking or not eating or let's not judge. Let's try to see from a compassionate point of view. Because sometimes our society in compassion, they are, they go a bit, uh, they have an argument, I think, at times. <laughs> so it's very important uh, to help these people, people that go through a rough time more in Christmas. Let's try to be a little bit more gentle. Mm-hmm. That that can make a whole difference. That is from society's aspect, from the person's aspect, because it's important that we take responsibility even for ourselves. Let's listen to ourselves. What do we need? If I can't, if going to a party is going to set haywire my drinking problem, then don't go. Protect yourself. Whatever people will judge you, no matter what, people judge. So no, don't worry. Protect yourself first. Or... Be a bit strategic, go half an hour, and then say, listen, I have to, to leave. Maybe you go the last hour, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, just a, a hello. Mm-hmm. So be strategic. You don't have to go to the party, for instance, all the three hours. I'm inventing it's an example, you know. These are just little tips, but uh, they are very essential because sometimes the person feels obliged to please mm-hmm. and they cannot say no. If I have an abusive family and I manage to get out of it, and I know that by going visiting them on Christmas, 
I'm gonna, it's gonna spiral again my panic attacks, my anxiety. Just make a phone call if you feel you have to establish contact, no problem at all. Or go a bit and then tell them, listen, I'm going because I have other plans today. Be a bit strategic to still have contact if you wish to have contact, but at the same time, you don't have to go all the way through. And this is how we set boundaries. We can say no. Simply don't go to a party or simply don't go visit your family. But it doesn't have to be a complete yes if it's not a complete no. We can try to find a way in between. Mm -hmm. Go just for half an hour or just have a phone call. Or say, listen, I'm not feeling very well. Let's do a video call. Hi, happy Christmas, what not. But protect yourself. That's very, very mm -hmm. important. And for people living at home with their abusers, what can they do? Like get out of the house, for example? Or? That is a very tricky question, Sophie. It's a very, very tricky question. Um, what I can say, please reach out. It, um, if there is abuse at home, reach out to professionals so they can support you in the process. Because it will be irresponsible of me to say, listen, get out or stay, because I don't know the situation. Mm -hmm. um, and also sometimes certain things can get out of hand very bad. So the most important thing for kids, adults, living in an abusive situation, please reach out for help, speak to a professional, so you can be supported and guided in the process. You don't have to go through it alone. Mm -hmm. That is very, very important. And who can they call? For example, I know there's 179, there's mm -hmm. a bunch. Um, yes, I think the most important thing are the, the helplines. Mm -hmm. Those are very, very important. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I was going to say police, but with the recent case of Bernice, I'm not... It's okay, it's okay. Um, honestly, I'm a bit disappointed in the, in the whole system, you know, when it comes to the topic of femicide and Malta and... Um, women actually reaching out for help and not getting that. It frustrates me to no end, to be honest, because you're the plucked up the courage to speak up mm -hmm. and to reach out for help. And when you don't get that help, what do you do then? You know. Well, I think um, I cannot go into the merits of the case, uh, mm -hmm. Sophie, in my position. However, what I can say about anyone going through difficult situations, um, what I'm sure of is that the free helpline will guide them accordingly to professionals. I can understand your frustrations and your, your anger, but uh, not knowing the details of, mm -hmm. I, I cannot, it will be unprofessional yes, from my end to comment. Mm -hmm. However, it's most important to get across the message, so please do reach out for help. Because that is very, very, very important. Mm -hmm. Whether that's a friend, a healthy family member, anyone, a anyone, coach, anyone. Anyone, yes. anyone. That is very, mm -hmm. very important because reaching out mm -hmm. is the first step. Is the first step. Mm -hmm. And what I can tell you is that maybe the first person you reach out won't be the, the ideal, but maybe the second will. <laughs> mm -hmm. So we need to um, give the message across, never give up on ourselves. Our life is worth defending. Every life out there is worth defending and worth living. And there's help. So it's very important to, to reach out. Mm -hmm. It's very, very important. Because carrying everything on your own, it's, it's, uh, it's very torturous. That and seeing the warning signs or red flags obviously coming up because usually in these situations, I don't overgeneralize, but you'd see it coming. So I think not ignoring ourselves, our instincts, okay. our mm -hmm. gut telling us, listen, get out or go get help or mm -hmm. 
we need to be a bit brave. We need to be a bit brave to speak out and that there's always going to be someone willing to help, even if we might not think so, even mm-hmm. if we think we're alone, right? I think it's a dance between being brave and compassionate. Mm-hmm. For the person to be brave and ask for help and for the receiver to be compassionate and give it. Mm-hmm. I think if that dance is created in our society, then we can move forward. Mm-hmm. But, it, but both need to be uh, in synchronized. Mm-hmm. That is very, very important. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow, okay. <laughs> Do you have any final comments? I, I really enjoyed speaking to you. Even eh? <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoyed it. We really needed to talk about these things. And yes. I think yes. the more we talk about this in society, the more awareness we'll have. And hopefully the more people will be helped and help themselves at the end of the day. Yes, exactly. And what we're doing, I think uh, um, you're doing a bit of uh, good service and compassion towards others because you're bringing that to our society. And this is a start. It's something that... uh, So thank you for having me. (laughs) It was lovely. Thank you for coming on. Um, For those that don't know, there's a free therapy services at the University of Malta. This is how I got into the program, especially if you're suffering financially. Um, there's also Richmond Malta you can get in touch with. That's available 24-7. Um, if you're going to any abuse, there is 179. Um, and obviously for emergencies, call 112. Um, don't forget to reach out to your family and friends. And remember that always listen to yourself and put yourself first. Thank you. <laughs>